Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Mike Smith. Good morning. How are you all? I've just been on holidays to Bali. It was really good. <laughs> How many of you like holidays? <laughs> I think we all do. Great to be in church. How have you been? Very excited about speaking this morning. I um, believe I have got a very appropriate message. So I would encourage you guys just to really tune in. I believe God wants to speak to you. And um, one thing I definitely know, totally know, that God's Word can change people's lives. And this Word this morning, I will let you know, it will change your life. That's the confidence that I have this morning, that this is a life-changing word for many people here. At present, our focus at Echo Church is the in, um, all about inner health. And that is what I want to, um, want to talk about this morning. When I was preparing this message, um, well, I've been preparing it for a little while, but I, I was looking for a title, and yesterday I came up with a title which was Paul's, Paul's Recipe for Emotional Health. That was my title. But coming in the car this morning, I changed it to um, Mike Smith's recipe for emotional health because I seriously have to tell you that what I'm talking about this morning is what I apply to my own life. This is my recipe. This is my personal thing. This is what I do. Um, it probably is Paul's also, but because I haven't had a discussion with him, I'm going to be saying this is, so I'm going to be very personal this morning. What I talk about is what means a lot to me. It's my life strategy, so to speak, for emotional health. So that's given it a bit of a build-up. Um, my message is going to come from Paul's letter to the Philippians, and the Bible, the book of Philippians, because Philippians is known as the epistle of joy. I think most of, some of you would know that. Of all the, the New Testament teachings, Philippians is the book all about joy and how to receive joy. It is interesting because um, the, the background to the book of Philippians uh, is Acts chapter 16 when Paul went to Philippi to plant a church. Well, he went there, and if you are familiar with Philippians chapter 16, it was a really tough time for Paul. He saw the power of God moving amazingly, no doubt about that, but that was the instance when he finds himself in jail, um, in stocks. He had been, the Bible says, severely flogged, not just gently flogged or mediumly flogged. He was severely beaten. He was in stocks at the midnight hour. Um, he and Silas just worshipped God and prayed, and God came, and the, uh, the earthquake came. That was the background. Paul um, at Philippi, it was a really, really rewarding time, but incredible pain and persecution came his way. Anyway, 10 years later, Paul now finds himself imprisoned in, in Rome, 10 years after that. And from prison in Rome, well, actually, he was imprisoned in his own quarters he couldn't get out but same sort of thing he wrote this letter Philippians and it's called the epistle of joy and so in his hardest moment came the beautiful fruit of this and so um, I'm going to be focusing on this book but in particular my recipe comes from one verse Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. 
And Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, well-known verse, we all know this. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Great little verse. Mm. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I believe that this verse very much, as you study the life of Paul, you will recognize this was a massive strategy in Paul's life. Um, it has also now become a massive strategy in my life because uh, from this, there are the ingredients, I believe, for inner health, emotional health. And I'm just going to be presenting this to you this morning. Paul says, basically, for me to live is Christ. Paul says, I live for Christ. Paul lived for Christ. Um, in fact, in the same book, Paul talked about what his life was like before Christ, how he was a very, very privileged person. Paul was very successful, very privileged, held in great honor. And then Paul had, as you know, had his miraculous conversion to Christianity. And Paul, in, the, in Philippians chapter 3, talks about the fact that he says, everything before this I count as absolute rubbish. All of the things that I had, I count as absolute rubbish compared to what I've now got, this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. For Paul, Jesus was everything. Jesus was his focus. Jesus was his foundation. Jesus was the center of his life. He, it was him. That was what his life was all about. It was all about Jesus. And everything else in comparison was rubbish. You know, he's not the only person who's felt that. I, I would have to say there's probably millions of Christians who have felt the same over the years. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like cricket? I love cricket. It's my, it's my favourite sport. At the moment, we've got the Ashes um, series, Australia versus England. There was an English cricketer uh, called C.T. Studd, which some of you would have heard of. I do believe he actually played in that classic English that, that, cl that classic cricket game where England lost the Ashes and the, on the paper it was, you know, the whole thing, we've lost the Ashes. He, he, he was one of those players. C.D. Studd was a household name in Great Britain. Everybody knew him. He was a young cricketer and uh, it goes without saying that if you're in the English cricket side, you're going to be well known. He was also very wealthy. He had a lot of money. C.D. Studd, as an English cricketer, had a massive encounter with God. The evangelist D.L. Moody came to England and um, I think C.D. Studd's father got converted and C.D. Studd got powerfully born again. He immediately started proclaiming Jesus. He'd go through, around universities all over England talking about Christ. He then ended up going to China and other countries and spent the rest of his life as a missionary. C.D. Studd was very wealthy, very privileged, he gave everything away, gave everything he had. Him and his wife gave everything away, even their wedding presents. Later on, he received a massive inheritance, a huge amount of money, gave everything away. <laughs> he just, he lived for Christ. His heart had been so touched that Jesus became the focal point of his life. Now, I just want to say this, that there is so much thought amongst people that our happiness is going to come from the things that we have. If only I had a better job, if only I had a, 
If only I had a nice wife, if only I had a nice husband, if only I had more money, if only I had a beautiful house, if only I had a nice car, if only I had these things, that would make the difference. If I could only have this thing that I want and I haven't yet got, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be full of joy. Can I tell you, it ain't going to happen that way. It's a total deception. Things will not give you inner emotional peace and happiness. You just have to read the book of Ecclesiastes by King Solomon. God strategically placed this book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. It's about Solomon, the man who had everything. There is nothing he didn't have. It, he had the resources. If he saw anything, it was his. Whether it was education, whether it was houses, whether it was the hundreds of wives that the guy had. You know, <laughs> he had everything. And his testimony was... Um, Vanity of vanities. But basically, he just said, I am desperately unhappy. You know, it's, it's as though the possessions have not done it for me. This, this, for me, is clearly, I believe, the key thing for inner happiness, for us to be able to have God number one. It is the key. Paul, Paul's depth of relationship... Paul's depth of relationship with God enabled him to experience inner peace, emotional happiness, when simply nothing was going right in life. Now, I'm not saying that, that we need to be expecting for nothing to go right. I expect everything to go right. But the fact is, in reality, we, we, let us be honest, we do get hits in life. But, the, but it was the depth of relationship that Paul had that got him through. You read the book of Philippians and you can just see how deep this man walked with God. You know, things like, you know, in Philippians chapter 4, 12 to 13, he says, no matter what situation I'm in, if I've got everything and everything's going well, or I've got nothing and nothing's going well, I am content. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He reached a depth of relationship with Jesus whereby nothing could rattle his cage. He managed to get through. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing. Whenever you've got cares and problems, let your requests be known to God. Just handball it to God. Have such a relationship that you can let, let God know what is wrong. And then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which means it's supernatural. Supernatural peace will come upon you. It's, this is it. It's Philippians chapter 4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. The man's depth of relationship was, was absolutely massive. I take that on board. This is, what I, this is what I crave for. This is what I desire. This is what I know in my head. I know this. I know that this is, for the rest of my life, for all of my life, it is the way to experience emotional health always, by walking close to God. And we can all do it. It's the foundation. But interestingly enough, and I've got to point this out to you, in this particular verse, for me to live is Christ, the actual context isn't so much his relationship. He, he talks about that later. The context of this verse is, He's talking about, Paul is talking about, for me to live with Christ, he's talking about, he says, I'm living for a cause. I'm, I'm living for the kingdom. My life is all about the kingdom. 
he says in his letter, he's basically, he's basically saying, you know what, guys? Um, I actually am quite comfortable to being with the Lord right now, but I'm here for a reason, and the reason I'm here is you. I am here because I, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to help you. Paul's whole motivation in life, this is the man who suffered pretty much more than anybody we know in the New Testament with the exception of Jesus. He suffered so much and yet experienced such joy and inner health. And, and, and it was because I believe, because he, his life, he had a mission in life, he had a purpose in life, he had a direction in life, his life had meaning. I am here to build the kingdom. This is what I'm here for. I don't need these other things. Yes, if they come along, I will be content with them. If they don't come along, I'll still be content because my number one priority is the kingdom of God and building the kingdom. That was the Apostle Paul. That was his, his motivation. This is my number one priority. I am here for the kingdom of God. In the words of the Blues Brothers, I'm on a mission from God. It was his life. If you study the movers and shakers in Christianity from Paul through to this present age, you will discover that pretty much all of them have the same attitude. The attitude of my number one priority is God and his kingdom. This is my number one priority. I mentioned C.T. Studd, um, the, the cricketer. His, he, he gave a quote, which I think for me is my favorite quote of all time. C.T. Studd said, get this, some like to settle near the sound of church or chapel bell. Remember, this is in the 1800s. Some like to settle near the sound of church or chapel bell, but I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. <laughs> rather potent. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said, Some people's ambition is money, art, or fame, but my ambition is the souls of men. I truly believe, well, for me, this is, as I said earlier, this is how I, how I want to live my life. I do it, I'd like to say to you, this is how I live my life 100%, but I'd be lying if I did. It is what I know to be right, and it's what I strive for, strive in a, in a very, very positive way to go deep, deep, deep in the presence of God. In the, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Make no mistake. Relationship. But I also know, after being a Christian for 40 years, that I'm at my happiest when it's kingdom number one, where I'm just moving, where I'm just, I am just living, living for the kingdom. James Dobson um, I guess most of you would have heard of James Dobson. He's sort of the guru of everything to do with relationships. He made a, made a comment which I heard years ago and it made a lot of sense. He said, for a man, he was talking about men here. It was a, I guess it was a book uh, written to women about, about men. And he made this comment. He said, for a man to be happy, for a man to be fulfilled, it is going to be, for men, a lot of it is all about the work that they do. They've got to be doing something. They... And he said, if you, take, if you put a man into long-term unemployment, his self-esteem will start to drop. And I have always believed, for me personally, that all of us need to be employed spiritually. We need to be out there doing, you know, just using our gifts and abilities for God. And if we don't, I know for me, when I'm not doing it, 
I get complacent, I'm in a rut, I get bored, I think, well, what's life all about? But when I'm out there doing it like, like you did, I imagine you were so exhilarated. You walked away from that play school, was it? Gym, whatever it was. You, you walked away and you were just buzzing. You know, this is what happens when Jesus becomes our priority. I want to testify... I want to testify, after 40 years of being a Christian, that Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which Jenny will put up here, this scripture works. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. key to life seek God's kingdom first don't seek the things I have put that to the test in my lifetime when I when I received Christ I was 23 years old I had a miraculous conversion I as a very as a young as a very very young Christian as in day one Christian really um, I, I really did have a revelation of what had happened to me from day one and so within a very short time my heart was God I my number one desire is for you to be on the throne of my life before I became a Christian, there were any number of things on the throne of my life, and they were all things. But when I became born again, it was, God, I want you to be on the throne of my life. And I said, I don't want anything to get in the way of that. I want you to be number one. As I look back over, over my life, I realized that I got all the things. I sought the kingdom, and I literally got all the things. Things like, and I, I shared this testimony a while ago, so I'll make this one, one very quick. But one of the things I did as a brand new Christian, I said, okay, Lord, um, no girls for me. Um, because I knew that girls could be a distraction. I didn't want to be distracted. I wanted God to be number one. And I didn't want anything, so I said, okay, no girls. It took three years of me being a Christian before I prayed, Lord, you are number one in my life. I would like a wife. I prayed that. And I can tell you the next week, Julie walked into my life. And what a gorgeous girl did I end up with. You know, it's <laughs> seek the kingdom first and the others will come. I, I think about my, my call in God, which is also my career because I've been a pastor for however many years it is. Um, I can remember that as a young Christian, Whilst I knew I had no gifts and abilities, this is how I felt, that I had no ability to ever do anything like being a pastor, there was still that, that, that desire there. Um, and I can remember as a, as a young Christian, it was kingdom first. I was a person in church, I, I was the type of person that every pastor wanted in his church because I was a person who said, said whatever needs to be done, I'm prepared to do it. <laughs> we love this pastor. The people say whatever needs so so. Of course, of course, with that, I would, I would get phone call after phone call. Oh, Mike, there's somebody who wants to come to church for the first time, and, you know, they, they, they do live about 30 minutes away from you, but could you pick them up? Not a problem. Nothing was a problem. If it was serving, and it was a kingdom thing, and it was serving, yes, 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 yes. Did I want to do it? No, no, no. Did I do it? Yes, yes, yes. Because it wasn't about me, it was about the kingdom. 
I can still remember that, that the highlight of my, of my week was Sunday night church because I was in a very, very, very radical church, which is now Hillsong. Um, but when it started out, it was the power of God. It was just blitzing. It was the most supernaturally active church you could imagine. And it was the highlight, the Sunday night meeting. And I still remember we, we had to go from venue to venue because we didn't have a permanent place. I remember the time that we got moved to another venue. And when the pastors came out and we said, oh, Mike, can you just go to the, our old venue and just sort of stay there for the next hour, just directing people who turned up? It was freezing cold, pouring with rain. And I thought... Yep, okay. And I, I can remember just standing in the rain, just, oh, we, we've got a new, new venue. And, and then I became a deacon. I was a hopeless deacon because I wasn't very observant. I didn't notice things. Deacon, can you turn the light off? Oh, where's the jolly light switch? You know, it's kind of like it wasn't my thing. But I wanted to be a life group leader because I wanted to teach the word and I wanted to encourage people. So I wanted to be a life group leader. And... As a life group leader, I was finally offered, asked to be a life group leader and I, and, and I became one. The amount of effort I put in, the amount of effort. I remember I used to take the day off work. I ran my own business. I, I can remember taking the day off work just to prepare for the life group. This is a life group. I would organise a, a, a worship a, a worship practice night each week. I had a guitarist. And, one, and each week we would have a practice night, the two of us, working out the worship. He was a funny guy. He used to be on, if you can go back this far, the Mike Willisey show. He used to be a cameraman. He used to, one of those guys used to run around and trap people and get photos of them. And Anyway, but we used to have a worship service once a week. I used to have the miracle prayer meeting before my, my life group. The miracle prayer meeting so the power of God would fall. I was the only person in the prayer meeting, but I called it a miracle prayer meeting anyway. That's what I did. This is, this is what I did. I would get a prophetic word for everybody in my, in my life group. They come and I have a word for everybody. I was just seeking the kingdom. I wanted to do the very, very best I, I could. And then the things came. I wanted to be a pastor. My first pastorate was the first associate pastor at Hillsong Church working with Brian Houston. What an honor. And I believe it was so much because kingdom first but you know what with all of those with all of those things if it hadn't happened if Julie hadn't come along you know what what my attitude would, would have been Lord if you don't want me to have a wife I am just as content with all of these things it was just when God is number one in your life you are content with whatever comes your way if it's good it makes it a lot easier if it's bad it's tough but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and so I just feel that's pretty huge, all of those things. This is my recipe. I know what to do. I go as deep in my relationship with God as I can, and every day, Lord, I'm living for you. This is my, my goal, which I'm, I'm sharing with you this morning. Um, in this particular verse... which is verse 21, Paul adds another layer. In the same breath, he adds another layer. The other, he says, for, for me to live is Christ. And then he says, and to die is gain. And I just want to focus on, on this now. I think this is very, very strategic, his comment there. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'll tell you why. Paul was massively empowered by eternity. 
it had a huge, huge influence in his life. He, it was something that he focused on a lot. Um, eternity. Uh, in fact, let's just have a look at the scripture. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. Philippians, no, it's not Philippians chapter 1. I'm looking now at, yes, it is. Okay, right. Paul is, Paul is empowered by Philippians 1 and verses 21 to 24. Okay, for to me, this is from the New Living Translation, for to me, living means living for Christ, but Paul there goes on to say, and dying is even better. I don't know whether too many of us go around with this type of confession, but he did. He says, but if I live while I'm here, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. His life was all about kingdom. So I don't really know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which will be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Well, can I just, I'm just going to throw this point out here, which I, I want you to get. Paul's emphasis on eternity was way more advanced than most Christians. We don't have an emphasis like that. We don't go going around and saying, oh, I wish I could die so I could be with the Lord. We just, I don't know too many But this was Paul. His emphasis on eternity was highly advanced. Let me explain. I think as Christians, we see our eternal life in two stages, two distinct stages. The here and now, boom, this life. And then when we die, whatever's next. I think that's pretty much... Um, how we, how, we would, how we would see it. Now, I just want to make this comment here that our vision, our vision for the future, what lies ahead, is going to massively influence what we do. What we are looking for in the future will influence how we live. And so if your vision, just say that you're um, a, you know, a, a young, young person or somebody in the early 20s or whatever, and your vision is, I want to get married, I want to get married, I want to get married. That's going to influence your behavior. You know, you're going to go and buy lots of makeup if you're a girl. You're going to spend a lot of money on clothes. You're going to do all, all of these things because this is what you're focusing in. The fact that this is, this is what I'm focused on. And so we invest in it. You may be wanting to say, wanting to buy your first house. So it's all about earning money and, and all of this type of stuff. And it becomes the focus. I'm, it, the vision for the house is just dominating everything. For some people, my age, it's all about, about retirement. So it's, do I have enough money? Where do I invest my money? And it's, our lives are dictated by the vision that we are looking to. And that's, that's, that's how it is. The reality is that for many, many people, many Christians, certainly for me at various times, eternity really isn't really a vision that we look to. I've looked to marriage and houses and all of these things, which we do, the things, and serving God, because serving God can be something that we can be sold out and serving God, but we still don't have an eternal view. And so... Um, Eternity doesn't really come into our thinking. I hear comments like, life is so good now. Why would you be thinking about eternity? Valid point. I felt that. Other people say, I am so busy doing the Lord's work now. There's so much to do. Why would I be thinking about eternity? 
And other people, I don't even know what eternity is all about, you know. God hasn't really revealed it to us. Well, actually, he has. But, you know, some people say, you know, I, I don't even know what it's all about, so why am I even thinking about it? This is a common mindset amongst us. It's, it's not a huge thing for us. But for Paul, it was. It was very, very different for Paul. It became, it was as though Paul seemed to view life as seamless. It was kind of like this and this and this and then retirement and death and he this and this. And it was like one big continuum. It was just, it was, which, which really is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave us any begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we are in eternal life right now. It's already begun. We are living in eternal life right now. But, 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 but with Paul... Paul says, I could live now or I could die. It doesn't really matter. It's the same journey. That was his attitude. It's the same thing. It's all about one, one thing. And because eternity was so real to him, he thought about it a lot. He focused on it a lot. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 is again from Philippians. These are all Philippians verses in 21. But we are citizens of heaven, Paul says, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to... He's eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Look, the point I'm making is that Paul thought about this stuff a lot. And for him, it was incredibly empowering. Why wouldn't you think about it? It's so amazing. This is the thing. There is something amazing that is going to be happening in all of our lives. It's, in some ways, it's just not normal not even to think about it. Paul thought about it a lot. Okay, now follow this. He thought about it a lot. Our thoughts and what we focus on will definitely influence how we live. There's no doubt about it, what we focus on. As I said, if you focus on marriage, you focus on a house, you focus on a career, that's what's going to dominate your thinking. Paul focused on eternity and it, gave, it caused his life to go in a certain direction. It caused him to empower living for Christ. It, the thought of eternity empowers me to get to know God so much more. Understand? One of my goals is that when I see the Lord face to face, that it'll be kind of like, that's, I've had this relationship for a while. I know you so well. It's, you know, to be thinking, you know, oh my goodness, who are you? You know, who are you? I've got God, you know what I'm saying? This Paul knew God. It also empowered him to live for Christ. It empowered him to get through the difficult times. He was empowered by that, by this by the, rec by the recognition that he was only here for a short time, that there was a vital role for him to play, and he didn't want to miss it. He didn't want the things to, uh, to, to diminish his wonderful call, the wonderful call that all of us have with our own uniqueness and our own giftings. All of us, God has given all of us a wonderful journey to go on. And for Paul... His life wasn't dominated with the thoughts of having enough money for retirement. For Paul, his life was dominated by the fact that he's only here for a short time and he just wants to max out with living for Christ. So 
the eternal view empowers the living for Christ view, which in turn empowers emotional health. Praise God. Not only will an eternal view influence how we live, but it will also influence how we feel. Not only will the eternal, not only will our lives be affected how we live, but it's how we feel. In Paul's case, Paul encountered terrible, terrible difficulties in his life. I've already mentioned those. But he was empowered emotionally. He was empowered emotionally by hope. The hope that Paul had, the eager expectation empowered emotional health in his life because the hope that Paul had and believed in was a hope so wonderful that it dominated every bad thing that came his way. As I said, the man had an advanced understanding of this. He knew what was coming. For him, it was so glorious, so wonderful, so indescribable that no matter what, no matter how many lashes that he took, no matter how many beatings he took, he his hope dominated every negative thing that happened. Hope gives emotional health. And for the Christian, the Bible talks about the, our future hope is, is, is indescribable. Paul knew that every rotten time, every disappointment, every hurt, every difficulty, everything that he didn't understand, all of that, um, he knew that those things will come to an end and then they will be dominated by this incredible hope for the future. So he was able to say, despite his difficulties, we are more than conquerors through Christ. We are more than conquerors. You are more than conquerors. I do not believe that it is God's plan for us as Christians to live defeated lives. And for me, my way through this is I go as deep as I can with God I want to live for the kingdom and for others rather than just, it's all about me. If your life is all about me, 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 you're going to be desperately unhappy. Living for Christ and, and always reminding myself, just like, I don't know, if you've got a holiday coming up, do you ever think of it? Do you get excited? I know, it's, I do. I say, Julie, in two months' time, we're going to be going such and such. We're excited about it. I, I've reached the point now I'm thinking, shouldn't I be thinking the same thing about the well, the ultimate holiday? Hey, in uh, how old am I now? Well, in uh, however many years, whoa, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be first class airfares. It's going to be six star hotels. <laughs> it won't be buffets. I hate buffets. I've had so many buffets in the last two weeks, I, I'm exploding. Are you following, following my drift? I'm not saying we become people that say, oh, life's no good, I just want to get it. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that if you have an eternal view, it's going to enhance everything about your life. It'll enhance everything about your life. It'll, it will enhance purpose and direction and vision. It'll, it will give you an increased desire to see people come to Christ. If we have this eternal view, all of that. And, and, and at the same time, if things are tough, we've got something to look forward to. Nothing worse. I could think of nothing worse. Then, okay, how do I put this? Easily, I'll just say it. I could think of nothing worse than being an old person, 
like 70 or 80 and not being a Christian and just thinking, I'm getting old, my body's wearing out, you know, and my mind's going a little bit slower, I'm going to die soon. There, there's nothing ahead that I can look forward to, nothing. But for us, you know, 80, oh my goodness, wow, getting closer to the big holiday. <laughs> always hope, always hope. I love that line that I hear here at, at funerals, and it's a, it's a line that I like using. Um, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve, of course, but we don't grieve like people with no hope. We grieve with hope. Hope is amazing, as Justin was saying earlier. So let me just finish with the scripture. Philippians 3, verse 13b. I don't have this one up here, so I'm going to have to look behind. This is Paul. I focus, on this, I, f- I focus on this one thing he's focusing on. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm just going to throw some out here. maybe considered a bit controversial. I don't know. But when it comes to inner health... I think that there is a real problem if we have to spend our entire lives looking back at what's gone wrong and, you know, and what's gone wrong and what's gone wrong and working through it. Sometimes it's just best to look towards God and just, as Paul says, forgetting the past, I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The man was focused. And for me, that is my key, Mike's key. I, you don't have to agree with this because that's what I'm saying. This is my key for inner health. Is my closeness with the Lord is having a life of meaning and purpose and direction by putting God first and always having an eternal hope that empowers me. Now, I just want to close with showing I've got a 2 minute 46 YouTube, which I'm going to show. Um, my son, Matthew showed it to me when I told him I saw Matthew yesterday and I told him what I was going to be speaking on and he said oh look this is this thing is just amazing okay I'm going to tell you what this is there is a um a preacher who I I would have to say I totally admire and respect he's now one of the most high profile speakers in the world you've probably most of you would have heard of him. his name's Francis Chan anyway Francis Chan when he was a young man in his I guess in his 30s he planted a church in California with 30 people and it, within a few years it reached uh, 6,000 people. So he was a pastor of a mega church. Francis Chan had just an amazing encounter with God and he just realized, I guess, that he was living for things and a whole lot of other things and he just had a massive, massive stirring up. Um, he now has become a minister who is just so similar to Paul in his in his understanding that it's just kingdom, 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 kingdom all the time. And um, I've got this two-minute YouTube clip, which I'm finishing with. He was, he was criticized. People said, you're giving up a 6,000 mega church? You are, a, you are one of the celebrity pastors. He was, one of the, he was probably the most cel- celebrity of all those young ministers, known in every denomination from Pentecost all, all, the, all, the, all the way through. People said, you are crazy. You're, you know, he, he just gave everything away. He said, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? And this was sort of his, his response. And it's very much in line with what Paul said and what, I'm, what I feel. So hopefully this will work. Francis Chan. Let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. 
Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now. Just to enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb okay I will, I will let you know that I saw that after I prepared my sermon so when Matt showed it to me I thought oh my goodness that's just what I've been saying and um, that, that type of thing challenges me I just want to in, my, in the remaining years that I've got I'm 64 74, 84, 94, my father's 104. I've got 40 years left to 104. I just want to go for it in God. Praise God. So that's it. That is my, my, that's Mike's recipe for emotional help. A relationship is the foundation, making God number one, seeking his presence, spending time in his presence. In his presence there is fullness of joy, trusting him, looking to him. Secondly, living for a cause bigger than yourself kingdom cause and thirdly just always be aware that there is future hope which is indescribably good praise God Heavenly Father, I just um, thank you for this opportunity to be able to share this morning. And Lord God, I just um, want to thank you for this wonderful congregation. And I do pray, I do pray that let, let hope rise. Let hope rise. I pray, Lord God, that we will be people who within our hearts will be able to experience joy and peace and happiness irregardless of what we are going through 
because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, Lord God, I pray that you will help us through your Holy Spirit for all of us to draw nearer and nearer to you. Well, Lord, you're as near as you can get. You're always there, but it's, it's always going to be a question of us. Lord, we want the Holy Spirit to help us to be able to become so intertwined with you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' awesome name. Amen.